Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. And tonight, just like every time we get together, God has a word for you. And this word is designed to change your life forever. Isn't that neat? It's like a seed. I just love it. You know, I, I, I know that Jesus walked through life and, and gave his disciples pictures of things. And, and I know that you're like I am. Whenever you see truth, you, you see pictures of it. You understand it because of something that you've encountered. And, you know, uh, things that used to aggravate me now just amaze me. I kind of stand back. They, they used to aggravate me. You know, you know what used to aggravate me? A grass growing up in the cracks of the concrete. You know, if you have a crack in your driveway or even an expansion joint, chances are you got grass. Right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Why? Why? Because a seed. Seed will find any crack and get down in it. And you don't even know it. You don't realize it. That soil all of a sudden is exposed to life. And the Bible says we wake and sleep and wake and sleep and we don't even know how it happens. But the earth brings forth fruit. First the blade, you know, and grows into, and you let it grow, it'll grow. (laughs) Well, Jesus in in the word uh, was giving us a parallel of what happens because we are called the garden of God. We are called God's husbandry. That means the garden of God. And the Bible, uh, Jesus talked about the word is a seed. It's like a seed, he said. It's, it's a seed. The seed is the word of God, he said. And like a seed, it's looking for any little crack in our lives. And we don't even know when it happens. But all of a sudden... We receive the seed of God's word and we can wake and sleep and wake and sleep. (laughs) And Miss Betty, you don't even realize it. You've changed. The word of God has grown in your life. We all see it. You know, you're wondering, have I changed? You know, you have. Well, you know you have. My goodness, you don't even. Tonight, you cannot escape the word of God. That's one of the reasons why we're, we're so much, you know, connected to the word here. Rather than teaching people how to practice Christianity, we want to introduce them to the person of Jesus Christ. God forbid that we make you a better person in your sinful estate. God forbid you go to hell a good person. You know? Look like a Christian, smell like a Christian, walk like a Christian, talk like a Christian, but have never accepted Jesus Christ into your heart and your life. God forbid that we teach you to practice Christianity. God forbid that we follow a current trend and learn doctrine from the songs we sing instead of from the Word of God. This next generation, like every generation before, you're not watchful. You'll end up getting your doctrine from songs. Hello? Vet the songs that you sing. Yeah, we do. 
We go through a process of vetting every song to make sure because, man, the Bible says you teach and admonish yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs as you sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. We know that you're going to go home singing some of the songs. You know, I mean, I mean, I, I still sing the songs I learned in you know, vacation Bible school back in the 60s and 50s. You know? God forbid. <laughs> God forbid. It was a song that was teaching some moral ascendancy or some, you know, uh, some humanistic, you know, idea, something that should be hung on a wall somewhere maybe, but not in my heart. You know, it's a nice sentiment, but there is a living God that has a powerful word. And that word is the only thing that can change a life. It's the only hope. There are only two things we need in order to succeed in any situation, any given test, any, anything we're going through. Number one is we need to know the right answer. Number two, we need to apply that answer. You know, if you don't know the right answer, you can make application of the wrong answer all day long and end up empty-handed. You know, you got to know the right answer. You got to know when, when somebody asks two plus two, you need to know the right answer, but you still got to write it down on a piece of paper. You still got to apply it. When the Bible says the answer, the, the, the way out of this hole is to pray for my enemies, to do good to those who despitefully use me and persecute me, then let me tell you what the right answer is to the situation of being persecuted. Okay? Pray and do good. Right? Don't, don't be vengeful. You know? That's Right? Because you can apply the wrong answer all day long. When the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath, then you need to give a soft answer to somebody that's angry with you and you want them to you know, calm down. The Bible didn't say being quiet turns away wrath. It didn't say that. It didn't say a smart answer turns away wrath. It didn't even say a loud answer turns away wrath. It said a soft answer turns away wrath. And it will. It just will. When the Bible says that... that, that through the mouths of babes and sucklings, he has ordained strength. He has perfected praise, another, uh, another uh, 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 variation says. Then let me tell you what we do whenever we are weak. Let the weak say I'm strong. We, we declare we are strong and we begin to sing the praises of God. Do you know what it does? The Bible says it quiets the enemy and it steals the avenger. <laughs> yeah. It didn't say crying or running into the corner, slamming the door, cussing, fussing, or what, you know, uh, you know, kicking the dog would fix it. The Bible says that the enemy will be stilled and his voice will be quieted when we lift up the praise of almighty God in the presence of our enemies. The enemy has to shut his mouth. <laughs> Boy, if you ever want that worry and fear and all those things or anger or frustration or irritation, aggravation, wrath, uh, you know, if you ever want any of that to, to, to leave your head and to leave your moment before it takes you over and puts you in a hole or puts somebody else in a hole, <laughs> you just begin to praise the Lord. You lift up a praise unto your God. For the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Amen. And the voice of praise will make the enemy shut up. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Okay. Well, that's not what we're teaching on tonight because we're in the book of Acts. All right. So open up your Bibles if you would. We're going to be in the book of Acts. 
chapter 12 tonight. We've been taking one chapter of, of, of Acts and just trying to, you know, my goodness, how can you do a whole chapter in, in, in one little Wednesday night? Last week, I think we got to the first two verses or so of the 11th chapter, maybe three, I don't know. Um, tonight, we're in chapter 12. I'm going to trust you to read the rest of it. I don't know how you're doing on your Bible reading. We've been encouraging you since December, get ready to read the Bible, you know, through the whole Bible in January. I hope you've been keeping up, you know, on our website, cotr.com, church on the rock, cotr.com. If you just click on there, you can click on Bible reading. It'll read it to you every day. Okay. But I, I told you that I, I, I was embracing trying to read at least one book of the Bible every week. Oh, let me tell you now, we're, we're here somewhere, I think, uh, uh, you know, in the ninth month or so. I don't know how many weeks we are in so far, but I only have four more books of the Bible to read, and I'll be finished with the Bible. I told you I'd give you a progress report. That's my way of making a commitment that I've got to keep up with, because if I don't, you know, you'll know. Because I told you the first year, I'm going to let you know how I'm doing all along the way. Well, that's how I'm doing, okay? Let me encourage you. Come on. You don't have to catch up. Just, just, just get in, okay? And, 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 and do something every day in the Bible. And you'll be glad that you did. Tonight, the message tonight is entitled, Life Goes On. I don't, I don't really pick the subject matter when we get to a new chapter, it's kind of written right there. And so uh, I'm, I'm trusting that God is leading us each week into something that you're going to need. And this word is designed to change your life forever. Something's going to happen tonight. Some seed of God's word, whether it's something I say or something that we heard in a song or, or something that someone else says to you, it's going to find its way into your life. And it's going to change you a little bit because that's God's design. He's committed to his children to bring us into the image of his dear son and he's still working on me he's working on you and he will succeed amen and tonight we have a chance to open our ears a little bit you know just a little wider than some small crack in a concrete and open our heart and let the word of God in um, let me catch us up a little bit on perhaps a little historical perspective that's happening or let, let me put Acts 12 in a setting for you so that we can know where we are when we get to Acts chapter 12. Uh, the accounts recorded here in, in, in Acts chapter 12, uh, they take place in a period of about six months during the year 44 AD. How do we know that? Because it's the year that King Herod Agrippa died. Okay? And that's very well documented in, 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 in history. Okay? So we know it was in that year. We know it took place in about mid-March as we began in the 12th chapter simply because the Bible identifies it as being the, during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is in the springtime, March, mid-March, April, and 44, right in there. That's when the Feast of Passover was. So we can lock it down and know when it happened, and we can also know that it happened to be 14 years after the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, had had his conversion on the road to Damascus. You remember we talked about that when in an earlier chapter that Saul was headed toward Damascus, a great light shined, and you know, Jesus spoke to him. He went in, you know, and he was gloriously converted. How do we know that? From the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul is talking about the, the, the time 
14 years after his conversion that he and Barnabas went up to Jerusalem. Well, that's in chapter 12. And when we put all the pieces, you know, the Bible only tells one story. It's like, it's, it's like a puzzle. And every piece has to fit into that puzzle. But it has to fit into the one story that God is telling. That's one of the reasons why Scripture is so easy to interpret. The way you interpret Scripture is with Scripture. Okay? It has to fit into the one story God is telling. And God is only telling one story. It's a story of redemption. It's not a story of, 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 of um, you know, sin. It's not a story of, of, of judgment. It's a story of redemption. And every piece to the puzzle has to fit into a redemptive quality of God. He's telling the story of Jesus. How he brought Jesus in the Old Testament to a lost and a hurting world. And in the New Testament, how he wants us to carry Jesus to a lost and a hurting world. The Old Testament, 4,000 years of God setting up uh, you know, uh, people to carry a covenant until he could bring Messiah. And then when Messiah came, the New Testament, about 40 years, one generation, one group, one home group, 120 people in an upper room. This is just a testimony. The New Testament is a testimony of what those 120 people did in 40 years. It's amazing, huh? Why doesn't God, you know, need to write a new book? Because he wrote it right the first time. <laughs> it's his word. And the New Testament, the Old Testament is a roadmap for our life. And the New Testament, are our mar that, that's our marching orders. You know, it, uh, it, it, it's, it's a snapshot of what every generation should do in their 40 years of service toward God. That's a generally about the, 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 the period of time in general that it takes for another generation to evolve and pick up the baton and begin running their race. You know, uh, so here we are in the year 44 in about, you know, March, maybe, uh, you know, mid-March or so. And, uh, you know, uh, the apostle Paul is about 40 years old, you know, 39, 40, 41 years old, right in there. Uh, James, the brother of John, you know, the first disciple that was called James and John, James being the older, is probably about 45 years old, okay? So you can get a little picture of about where they are. The emperor of Rome was Caesar Claudius. Okay, we know that from history. Uh, and uh, uh, he was the Caesar of the whole Roman Empire. But now, there is a difference between a Caesar, between the Roman emperor of the whole empire, and the little kings that the emperor set over little kingdoms. So when we read in the Bible about King Herod, he was not the Caesar. Okay, the Caesar appointed the kings over little pieces of land and uh, you know different countries and different little kingdoms okay so when we read about Herod in this case when we read we're going to be reading about Herod Agrippa the first he is the grandson of Herod the great you know the one that wanted to kill Jesus okay this is his grandson Herod Agrippa the first he only ruled and reigned over Judea and, 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 and that part of the world for about three years. Uh, A.D. 41, he died in A.D. 44. Now, that's how we can pinpoint these things so accurately. And the Bible encourages us to study so that we can make sure we fully understand what God is doing. All right? So just a little perspective there that, that Claudius, Caesar Claudius, 
had appointed Herod Agrippa to be the king over what is now Israel, portions of Syria, uh, a little portion of Lebanon, uh, you know, maybe into the just little bit of sweep of Turkey, perhaps, and some of Jordan. Y'all, y'all got it. If you are, for those of you that like geography, okay. And so uh, now there had been no king over that area that had chosen to put his throne in Jerusalem for decades. But King Herod Agrippa set his throne up in Jerusalem. And he wanted to rule that area from Jerusalem, okay? He was proud and happy that, that, that Claudius Caesar had, had given him a, 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 a part of Judea. You know, he liked it. And he liked the Jews, and the Jews liked him. Well, since he was ruling from Jerusalem, the religious Jews really wanted to court his favor. And, 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 and so, you know, they would say nice things about him, and they would encourage him, and they liked him. In fact, history, uh, uh, Josephus writes uh, in, in his historical account of this period that the Jews really favored King Herod Agrippa. They liked him. They really enjoyed a lot of favor during that time. And he, uh, you know, he loved having them love him. He loved them, uh, you know, because uh, he was ruling over them, and it made it a much easier job whenever they would cooperate. They liked him. He liked them. He favored them. But favoring the religious leaders of Jerusalem, the religious Jewish leaders, meant that Christians were not in favor. Are you with me? And on top of that, there was a famine going on when we get to Acts chapter 12. There is a famine, you may remember in Acts chapter 11, if you read that, that there was a prophet named Agabus in Acts chapter 11 who prophesied that there would be a famine throughout all the world and this took place during the time that Caesar uh, uh, um, Claudius the Claudius was the emperor okay so this famine was ongoing and you remember because there was a famine going on the disciples in the church in Antioch which is just north of Israel right up into the edge of Turkey outside of Lebanon into the edge of Turkey okay? Antioch there was a powerful church there. We'll read about it next week, okay? Powerful, powerful. And some of the disciples there, when they heard the prophet Agabus prophesy in the church in Antioch that there was going to be a famine throughout the land, some of the disciples took it upon themselves to take up a collection and to raise money because they wanted to send that money as an offering down to the congregation, uh, the church in Jerusalem, because Jerusalem, they knew that Jerusalem was going to be in need of some money so that the church could buy some food because they had a really big food pantry going on. <laughs> you remember, Joe, they had that, you know, they were, that's what, Acts 6, we read about that, remember? Uh, trying to keep everybody happy, giving them food. So, I mean, and so they decided to send the money that they had taken up and the offering with Barnabas and Saul of Tarsus, who will become the Apostle Paul. They sent the money from Antioch down to the church and the elders in Jerusalem. Okay? So now, here we are. And, and Paul brought a young man named Titus along with him on the road. So we have Barnabas and 
Paul and Titus, they have just gotten to Jerusalem with the offerings. There's a famine going on in the land. You know, uh, Herod loves the Jews. The Jews love him, but he doesn't necessarily, you know, appreciate the Christians. And since the Jews don't like the Christians, that's what we read in verse 1 of chapter 12. Okay, are you ready? Reading from the New King James Version. Now about that time, what time was it? About mid-March, A.D. 44. About that time, Herod the king, you know, not the Caesar, but the little king of this kingdom. Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Well, we know why, right? He wanted to make the Jews happy, and it was Passover time. There was a feast there, and there were people, Jews there from all over the world that had come there for Passover. Verse 2. So what did he do? Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Okay. You got what's going on there now? Skip down to verse 24. Six months later. But the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. He took Titus down there with him. But when all three of them went back, they took young John Mark back with them. Now, a lot of things happened in Acts chapter 12. But these two bookends, happening about six months apart in that year, really tell us a great story. About that time, King Herod stretched out his hand to harass some of the Jews, the Christians, the church. And he killed the apostle James, the son of the apostle John. With a sword. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Hello? But the word of God grew and multiplied. And not only that, Barnabas and Saul, they, they returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. The ministry was being fulfilled and the word of God was growing and multiplying. Even in the midst of terrible situations, even in the midst of persecutions, even in the midst of executions, the word of God was growing and multiplying. Chapter 12 gives us great bookends and a lot happened in between, but it serves to tell us three very important things that I believe God would have us to pay attention to tonight. Number one, life goes on, okay? I'm sorry that bad things happen to good people, but life goes on. Number two, ministry goes on. Listen, the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to go on despite what anyone does to stop it. Some little king, some big king, it doesn't matter whether or not I stick around or don't stick around. The gospel of Jesus Christ is alive and well, and it will grow mightily and it will prevail and the ministry will be fulfilled and more people called into the ministry just to take my place if for nothing else. Let me tell you, life goes on. Ministry goes on. And number three, new people take their places every day just like you did. You know the next greatest parents in the world 
your children. They're the only hope we have. Just like you. You see, one day you took your place. One day you stepped up, stepped out, stepped in. What makes you think that the next generation will? I mean, that's the way it is with every generation. That's the way it is every, with, I mean, it's been happening now since Adam and Eve. <laughs> you know, people move along and people step in. And all of a sudden, you know, when, if, sometimes when I'm counseling people and they tell me, you know, well, I, I, I really wish my, my son or my daughter would do this. And their son or their daughter, you know, maybe 40 years old. I tell them, look, you know, you're about as responsible for your son or daughter as your mom and dad are for you right now. Hello? That's life. Life goes on. New people take their places every day just like you did. We are called by God to play a part, to fulfill a position in the game of life for the season that we are on this field. It's important that we play our position. It's important that we do our part. But life goes on. Despite the trials, the triumphs, the tests, despite the good times, despite the tragedies, life goes on. The sun is going to come up tomorrow. Hello? Without regard as to what you're facing, I'm facing, or what the world is facing, the sun is going to come up tomorrow. Life goes on. Not everyone is having a good day when you have a good day. And not everyone's having a bad day when you have a bad day. That's life. And there's a lot of life that went on during those six months between the first two verses and the last two verses of chapter 12. Let me, let me catch you up on a few things that went on during that period, okay, uh, uh, to, 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 uh, to be examples for us about what I believe tonight can be our takeaway from chapter 12. Now, you remember in Acts chapter 12, uh, you know, King Herod stretched out his hand and he decided to harass the church. Uh, and he killed James, the brother of John. Verse 3. And because King Herod saw that it pleased the Jews to kill James, who was a leader in the church, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread. That's where we get it to happen during Passover in the spring. Verse 4. So when he had arrested Peter, King Herod put him in prison. And delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. He was going to kill him in public. You know, some days it looks like the bad guys are just getting more and more popular. Have you all ever noticed that? Some days it looks like the bad guys are getting ahead. But guess what? Life goes on. Some days good people are arrested for no good reason. But life goes on. The sun will still come up tomorrow. Some days you're scheduled to work on holidays. These four <laughs> squads of soldiers. It was a holiday. It was a feast. Didn't it seem unfair that you get called out to work on a holiday? But guess what? Life goes on. It's bigger than any one of us. Verse 5. 
Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Boy, that gives us some points of prayer. I preached just on this one scripture. You know, constant prayer. Uh, the, the King James Version says that, that, that they prayed without ceasing to God for Peter. That the church prayed to God for Peter without ceasing. <laughs> I mean, when you pray to God for something and don't quit praying, things begin to happen, you know? Well, you know, some days it seems like there's nothing you can do but pray because there wasn't. Here, the church, there was nothing the church could do. This intercessory prayer group led by Mary, the mother of Mark, John Mark, you know, she was leading an intercessory prayer group in her home and, and they were all there together and, and, and they were praying and praying, praying. Why? Because that's all they could do. Because James, one of the very first disciples called by Jesus, James, a leader in the church, an apostle in Jerusalem, had been killed in public execution. And, and now Peter was in jail and he was chained between two guards and, and he, he was held with four squads of soldiers and it wouldn't be but a couple of days he was going to be brought out and executed and they were going to be like dominoes as far as they might imagine. So they were praying to God. They were praying constantly to God in intercessory prayer and, 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 and you know, but never in despair. You see, prayer that comes from the heart of man reaches the heart of God. They didn't know what was going to be the result. In fact, they weren't even praying in faith. They didn't even know what was going to happen. And, and, and they didn't imagine what God was going to do. Because the night before Herod was going to bring him out, if you continue reading, you might know what happened. <laughs> you know, an angel showed up. And kicked Peter in the side and a bright light shined on him. And the chains fell off of his hands and the two guards didn't even wake up. And, and, and the angel said, come on, get dressed and follow me and get your coat on. And, and they walked out and, 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 and they walked by two different guard posts. And the Bible says that the gates of the prison and the gates of the city opened up of their own accord. And Peter, who this was happening to, the Bible says he didn't even know it was real. He thought he was having a dream. He thought he was having a vision. Isn't that amazing? Verse 9 says that. So he went out and followed him and, and did not know that what was done by the angel was real. But he thought he was seeing a vision. He thought, man, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, imagining something, you know. Let me tell you, in less than a heartbeat, God can deliver you. From your worst moments, from your, from your deepest despair, from, from the chains that, 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 that seem to have you bound. And he can cause doors to open seemingly of themselves. So much so that, that all your dreams will come true. You think you're dreaming. God is able. They went past the first and second guard, and, and uh, all of a sudden the Bible says Peter came to himself. He, he, he realized, my goodness, I'm awake. I'm awake and dressed, no chains and no prison. Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, he came to himself and he said, man, I know for certain that God's done sent his angel and got me out of this prison. He didn't know exactly what to do and he decided to go over to Mary's house because he knew that something's always going on at Mary's house. 
And he knocked on the gate outside. You can read it. Knock, 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 knock. The gate was locked. And, and finally, a young girl named Rhoda came to the, to the gate. I guess, you know, uh, she might have been too young to pray or might have been tired of praying. I don't know. But it might have been, you know, uh, taking a break. I don't know. But she came to the door. And when she saw and heard it was Peter, she got all excited, so excited she didn't even unlock the gate. She just ran back in and said, listen, listen, listen. God has answered your prayer. Peter's outside. And they said, shut up, girl. We're praying. Go back. No, go on, get out of here. Ain't no way that can happen. He's in prison. No, 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 Peter is here. He's outside. You've been praying for him to get set free. God done set him free. Come on out and see. And they said, you are beside yourself. They said, you're crazy. They said, you're a lunatic. You're imagining things. You are seeing spirits. It must be an angel, you know. And she just kept on insisting and Peter kept on knocking. Let me tell you, don't quit knocking too soon. Knock, 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 knock. And he kept on knocking. Verse 16. Now Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Let me tell you what shocks people when God answers prayer. Astonished that what they'd actually been praying for happened. Nobody, the people who were praying didn't even believe it. Peter didn't even believe it. He thought he was dreaming. And the other people thought Rhoda, Rhoda was a lunatic. And she was so excited she couldn't hardly contain herself, it says. Don't quit knocking too quick. And realize that you, even the one that's praying, might be really astonished at what God is going to do. You know, it, it, it's real. I know. I got a brother-in-law named Steve. You need to meet him. He's a Christian, but it wasn't always that way. And whenever he turned his life over to Jesus, if you're watching Steve, he turned his life over to Jesus. I said uh, to my wife, I said, listen, there is a God. There is a God. I've been praying for it. I couldn't believe it. I was the most astonished, and I was probably praying the most. There is a God. Don't get disheartened. Sometimes it will astonish you that God will do what he will do. Well, Peter kind of had to quiet him down, the Bible says. He must, be, be, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. You know, uh, uh, and, 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 uh, you know and, and then he said, listen, I want you guys to go and tell James, not the James that was killed, okay? <laughs> but a different James. I want you to go and tell James, James, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, which was not the apostle James. That, this James is the half-brother of Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph, who was raised with Jesus. Go tell James and the brethren and, uh, you know, essentially the other apostles in the church of Jerusalem that I have been set free. Go and give them the good news. Wow. Um, and uh, then as soon as it was day, Herod got to look at him. Well, the soldiers, they went, what happened to him? He was chained to us last night when I went to sleep. You know, did you take him to the restroom? I don't know what happened. You know, where, where, where's he gone? There was no small stir, the Bible says, as what happened to him. And, and then in verse 19, but when Herod had searched for Peter and had not found him, he examined, he questioned the guards, and then he commanded that they should be put to death. Now, I submit to you that not every good day for you is a good day for everybody. 
We applaud. Peter got out of prison. Whoop. Four squads of soldiers executed. It wasn't a good day for them or their families. Not every good day for you is a good day for everybody. And not every bad day for you is a bad day for everybody. Okay? We need, we need to embrace that uh, because uh, the reality is that, that, that life goes on. Whether it's a good day or a bad day, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Life goes on. And we need to move on with it. We need to get on with it. We, we can't afford to let the tragedies, temptations, tests, trials, disappointments, good days, bad days, winning days, losing days, take us out of the game because we're playing in a season for a reason that's much bigger than this life. It's eternal. It's the souls of men and women, boys and girls, who have not yet met Christ. Well, Herod got a little upset at the whole thing, and so he left Jerusalem, and he went down to Caesarea, to the port city. He had another little palace down there. When those of you that go with me this next year to, to Israel, I'll, I'll, I'll show you where he was sitting when this happened. He went down there, and uh, he, he, you know, he went down to Caesarea, and as tradition holds it, during the Feast of the Tabernacles coincided with some games that the Romans uh, played. And so it was during these games that, that King Herod dressed up. You know, and uh, uh, came out, and the tradition was the Talmud tells us uh, the Jewish tradition that that uh, King Herod would have been reading from the book of Deuteronomy, and he was as he was reading it, uh, there were people there who wanted to impress him, who really wanted to impress him because he was feeding them. They were from Tyre and Sidon, and he was feeding them, uh, and 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 he was upset with them. So they wanted to make him feel better. So, uh, you know, in, in, in fact, Jewish history tells us that King Herod, on this day in Caesarea, went to the theater that's still standing there, holds about 5,000 people in that theater. And they say that he dressed in a silver suit that was reflective, and he looked like a bright light, like a star with the sun shining on him there against the Mediterranean. And, and he's reading from the book of Deuteronomy. And, 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 and you know, uh, and so all the people that wanted to impress him said, oh! You know, you sound like a God. You know, this is not just the voice of a man. It's the voice of a God. You can read it. And, and he kind of in himself said, yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, uh, you're a deity. You know, this is, this, this, this is, oh, my goodness, you, you are supreme. You know, well, it's the voice of a God, not the voice of a man. Verse 22 says, verse 23 then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him. And because he did not give glory to God, he was eaten by worms and died. My goodness, you got to love chapter 12, okay? I mean, how many times do you, I mean, that'd make a movie. Josephus writes to us in his historical accounts that, that while he was reading from, from, from this and, and giving an oration, and people were praising him and he was accepting all the praise that he was struck immediately with excruciating abdominal pain and he began to cry out and he was in such pain that they had to take him and carry him to his bedchamber and he laid there for five days in horrible agony and pain before he finally died eaten of worms from the inside out. Whoa. 
Need a little Pepto-Bismol there, didn't he? Bismol. Well, not everyone's having a bad day like King Herod was having. You know? Not everyone having a bad day. Uh, not, not, not everybody's having a bad day when you're having one. He was having a bad day, but not everybody was. It was a good day for some people. It was a bad day for Herod. Okay, the last two verses. Y'all remember the first two verses, okay? Herod reached out his hand to harass the church, and then he took James and killed him. And then all this other stuff happens, okay? And just six months later here at the Feast of the Tabernacles, along about September, October of the year 44, the word of God grew and multiplied. Even in the midst of all of this other stuff, the word of God blossomed and it grew and it began to multiply and reach out all over the region and around the world. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem. They had been evidently in Jerusalem now about six or seven months. And now they returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. Even though all this was going on, yet God was completing a work. He was fulfilling a ministry and men were continuing to accomplish the challenge set before them to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and to carry relief to Jerusalem. And it says they took along with them this young man named John, whose surname was Mark, who wrote the book of Mark. Wow. You see, James, the apostle, was off the scene. Within a few months, Mark stepped in. You see, the fact of the matter is, life goes on as it's intended. Ministry goes on. You're not going to stop the Word of God. And new people take their place every day. Let me encourage us tonight that without regard to what happens around us, in our nation, in the world. Don't quit. Don't let the bad times, the hard times, the disappointments, the hurts shut you down, keep you down. Because the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Life's going to go on. And God's still going to be right there. The champion of every person who will just give him a chance. He'll answer prayers that... Even the prayer doesn't believe is possible. And look around for some new people, some young people that you can invest in because it won't be long that they will take their place just like you did.